0: Thanks for listening to Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Orion has recently partnered with Concrete Polishing and Restoration, a nationwide industrial flooring company, to provide rewarding careers for former and transitioning service members. With its steady, continued growth and highly skilled workforce, CPR is considered the industry's most elite applicator of polished concrete systems. CPR is rapidly expanding its workforce nationwide and is currently recruiting crew members and crew leaders to join its team. CPR is committed to providing opportunities for advancement for employees who work hard and display strong leadership. In today's episode, I'm joined by Hunter Johnston, Chief Operations Officer, to discuss his military background, career after the military, and why CPR is a great place for veterans to work. If you're interested in learning more about CPR and applying for open positions, please visit us online at www.oriontalent.com forward slash CPR concrete. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud, make sure you subscribe and share with a friend. We'd love to get your feedback, so make sure you give us a rating. If you have any questions about this interview or topics for a future podcast, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hi Hunter, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Good. and I'm really
2: excited to speak with you today. As many of our listeners know, Orion has recently entered a partnership with Concrete Polishing Restoration, and I've had the opportunity to work with you, Hunter, and then the rest of the CPR team to gather some testimonials from current employees, and I'm really impressed by what so many of you had to say. So I thought the podcast would be a great avenue for potential candidates to learn more and kind of hear a little bit more of what it is like to work for CPR and why you love it so much.
1: I agree. I think it's a great platform to be able to to send the message.
2: Yeah. So before we get into that, we're going to talk a lot about some of the specifics of positions that we're recruiting for and different things like that about CPR. But before we get started, I wanted to learn more about you because I know you've got a pretty extensive and impressive military background. So if you could talk a little bit about that for our listeners, that would be great.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yes, I, I started out my military career by actually attending West Point. And, um, graduated at the top of my class. I, I boxed while I was at West Point, um, uh, played a little football, and I really focused on leadership. And, um, when I got out, I ended up, um, going to several different locations, but my focus was to try to get into some type of special ops background, um, airborne ranger kind of activities. And, uh, that's what I pursued. I started out in the artillery and then, uh, from there, um, before I had started with my first organization, I vied for a position to go to Ranger School. I went to Ranger School. I graduated second in my class in Ranger School. Then went on to my first duty station at Fort Hood, Texas. Um, did quite well there and then actually got the slot that I was looking for, which was in the 509th Airborne Battalion Combat Team in Vicenza, Italy. And um, I uh took full advantage of that opportunity. I actually ended up going to Jump Master School on the way. Graduated as the Distinguished Honor Graduate of Jump Master School. And, um, and away I went. I had a, a very successful career. I commanded two artillery batteries and an infantry company. At, uh, at one point I had the longest stretch of time of commanding at my level at almost five and a half years straight. Um, I went to Italy. I came back to the 82nd Airborne Division. I commanded there. I then got the opportunity to go back to Italy and command there. And then while I was there, I had an artillery command and an infantry command. And uh, we did some very special things uh, over there in many different venues. I got promoted below the zone, and as such, uh got selected directly to go to Command and General Staff College um, as a promotable captain, um, being promoted to major. I went through the entire Command and General Staff College program, um, studying for a master's in military strategy. At the same time, I was doing uh, night school for the branch of Kansas State University for a degree in operations research, industrial engineering. I'd had a number of injuries from uh, parachuting and doing a number of other operations at that time. So while my next uh, duty assignment was was very prestigious, I had to have a number of um, operations and made the decision to get out of the service at that point on disability. I then went into my career uh, but my military career was one that I would repeat in a second, the camaraderie, the type of people that I worked with and the missions that we did were all uh, an incredible basis for uh, the, su- the success that I've been able to have with teams that I've been fortunate enough to lead in business. Uh, my education, yeah. as I mentioned, uh, was a degree in engineering at West Point. Um I did master's studies in operations research, industrial engineering, which was my concentration at West Point. When I got into my first job out of the military, I worked my way up to being a general manager pretty quickly, and I got the great opportunity to go to an executive MBA course at the University of Michigan at the Ross Business School. So that's, that's my education. Um, as far as post-military career, um, I actually went through a... Uh, A process very similar to the candidates that are that are coming through your your channel your business channel um at the time it was i i went with a business called lucas uh which is i believe a competitor of of orion but i went through a similar process and i looked at a bunch of different opportunities and the opportunity that was most prevalent at the time was in the field of packaging so packaging as in folding carton packaging and flexible packaging um, food and beverage, uh, health and beauty, uh, tobacco, sports uh, equipment, etc. but basically graphics and printing and cutting and, and gluing uh, packages that customers fill with their products. Uh, I started out as a process engineer and worked my way up to being a general manager within about two and a half years, and this is a key point that I want to bring up, um, and that is that I graduated from West Point. I had a very good career in, in the Army. I was about 11 years and four months in the Army. I got promoted below the zone. I was you know, going to be a field grade officer, so I had a lot of responsibility. When I got out, though, here I am as a process engineer on a manufacturing floor in a packaging plant, one of the largest in their, in their division, but still a process engineer. So I had a responsibility for a lot of people and, and some very difficult situations in the, in the Army. And then really kind of a demotion to go down to, to being a process engineer. Uh, but I took it. I took a cut in pay, actually. And I started out, and I was hungry. And part of what attracted me was the gentleman who's a, who was the uh, plant manager as well as the general manager. Both of them were West Point classmates. One was actually in my class. He was the general manager. The plant manager was the class before me. And both of them told me it was a great opportunity to excel and that they would not hold me back. You can go as fast as you can go as long as you learn the technical aspects of the business. And that's the same message that I'm preaching to those that are listening to this podcast. It is a great opportunity to come in and understand the ground level of our business and be able to accelerate very quickly. So my post-military career, I started out in packaging. As I said, I worked my way up to a general manager, and then I started getting a number of opportunities that were in other industries. So unlike a lot of my um, peers, if you will, who stayed with the packaging business all the way through and who quite candidly now are CEOs of major corporations, I jumped around. And it's really part of my personality to be very dynamic and look at different opportunities. So at that time, uh, guys that were in my position, uh, you know, Men and women coming out of the service were very highly sought after. They called them JMOs, or Joint uh, Junior Military Officers. At the time, I, I had 11 years, so I really didn't consider myself being junior, but that was the classification. Nevertheless, uh, there were a lot of businesses after us. I was getting calls every week to go to different jobs, and uh, my next job then was with a private company called the U.S. Plan Card Company, where I went to be their VP of Operations, and um, and then further went to be their, their VP of sales and marketing for casinos worldwide. So all my positions thereafter were ones where other businesses sought me out. I was doing well in the businesses. I was creating great teams that had, that had fantastic performance and they were grabbing me to run other teams. So I was with that business for about four years. We did some great things in technology and in building a great team. I did the same thing when I was with James River and packaging. I went to a bigger business called Paxar, which is now part of Avery Dennison, where I ran a complete graphics division that was a global business. So I got my first taste of doing global business and um, had a pretty good chunk of the business. It was about $400 million of business that I ran. I had sales and operations reporting to me. And then from there, um, actually went and started my own business. I had a very strong entrepreneurial edge to me. and. Um, I bought a franchise in Scottsdale, Arizona in the field of sports marketing, where I grabbed the territory, which was New England, which was really a new hot for their sports, and created sports zones in people's backyards, high schools, colleges, and corporations. So basketball courts, tennis courts, putting greens, football fields, you name it. I was doing all those kinds of things. Um, Ended up branching into my own business about a year later, because I had the operations and sales experience to really expand it and take it off uh, to a different level, and I did. At one point, I was the fastest growing business, small business in the Boston area. Grew the business from 0 to $6 million in about two and a half years and was continuing to climb. At the time, I was getting ready to put the football field in for Harvard and Florida State. Um, I had just done all the basketball courts for Uh, Dunkin' Donuts, both inside and outside, so the business was really taking off. Uh, It was just prior to the recession in 2008, and I saw some of that coming, and I ended up selling my business to a much larger business uh, and was a consultant with them for about a year. I had created some unique products um, that I still get royalties off of uh, when I did that, but um, what I did was I always made sure that I kept track of the people that I'd worked with before. So there were executives that stayed in the packaging business. They were very nearby where I was living in in the Boston area and they were in Concord, New Hampshire. They ended up pulling me back into the packaging business to run a very large portion of their business in Chicago. It was about a $750 million piece of business. And I ran that for about a year and a half. And then I took about a billion and a half piece of business and ran that for a while. And then um, those two companies merged and uh, created about a, a $6 billion business, which now is about $20 billion. And uh, I ended up uh, taking on a, a major responsibility as a senior vice president to integrate both of the businesses and do a, a lot of you know, important things with, with uh, software and hardware and supply chain and operations and sales. Um, from there, um, I took a couple of years off um, with a non-compete Uh, After all of the integration was done, most businesses move on. They move those folks out, and then they move on with their growth strategy. So I took uh, a year and a half off, did some consulting, actually got my personal training certifications, became a personal trainer and a life coach, and uh, did that for about a year and a half until my non-compete was up. And then I went to Connecticut, and um, I took over about a $220 million packaging business in Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, which was having a lot of problems, and turned it around, doubled the profit in about two and a half years, and uh, got it ready for sale. It was then sold and um, and I integrated the business with the the business in Atlanta that purchased it. So that's my military that's my military career, that's my business career. i um after that, that opportunity, I was very close with a number of private equity businesses. And they reached out and grabbed me to run this particular business, CPR, Concrete Polishing Restoration. So that brings you, that's a long-winded answer to your question, but Mm -hmm. uh, that's my
2: background. That's awesome. So, Hunter, I'm curious, and I'm sure all of our listeners will be curious. It sounds like with your career, you have such a diverse background, and you're so accomplished in so many areas that you were clearly a top performer in the military, and you did very well in your um, civilian transition. So. It sounds like the career civilian career world was kind of your oyster. So, what was it about CPR that attracted you to the company and made you think this is a great next step for me?
1: You know what? That's a great question. Um, there are a couple of things that really attracted me about CPR. Um, number one, uh, foremost, I guess I'll say, is the the opportunity, the opportunity to to take a business that is in a, a unique niche and really expand it. So. My responsibilities from the private equity business that selected me for this is to build uh, a really, really strong, sustainable organization that can um, grow exponentially across the U.S. We already have coverage in the U.S., but, but not to the extent that we should. So my ability to, to create a team and work with the team and lead it properly so that they can help provide the results and expand the business is really what my focus was. So it's very rare that you get a chance to take a business and exponentially grow their sales compounded year after year in a very short period of time. So I I have some very lofty uh, goals in our strategy, but they're all doable. I I know that they're doable. I've got the experience to, to make them happen. So it's rare that you get to take a business and quadruple the sales four or five years in a row. Um, mm-hmm. And just build something very special. And then secondly, what I would say is it's a Christian-based organization. And I've, I've not really had the opportunity to work with one in the past that openly stated that they were. So it's it really a nice environment to be able to work with people who, who not only are business-focused but also realize that that uh, you know the, the faith is very important in being able to be successful.
2: Yeah, definitely. Now, do you think that that growth and the ability to um, really come in and lead your team to success, is that one of the most rewarding things about your career with CPR? Or are there some others that, are there some other things that are very rewarding as well?
1: You know, I've, in my business career, I've learned that uh, you know, every business, no matter what it is, is really about communication. and It's about people. Um, it doesn't make any difference whether you're in tech or, or doing what you do every day. It's, It's about your ability to to connect with people, to influence them, and to lead them, mentor them, coach them, motivate them. And there are some really good uh, managers and leaders here in this business. So I have a great opportunity to influence people in those categories of leadership and take take, uh, managers who have been in the business, who understand the technical aspects, who may not have had the exposure to the type of leadership that I can provide to them to take them to the next level, to to enable them to be able to improve in their responsibilities because when you expand a business like this, people have to step up and take on larger responsibility. They're not used to, to taking things in regions or divisions or things like that like a like a major corporation would. But I will I will help teach them to do that. And that's that's one of the bigger challenges. So whether it's whether it's doing it from a business perspective or just from a Christian perspective of trying to lead people in a way that, that uh, other people want to follow them, uh, I think that's one of the, the higher callings here.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've mentioned a couple of things in terms of leadership and communication. Um, do you think that those are all things that you learned as part of your time in service that have helped prepare you for a civilian career specifically with what you're doing now at CPI?
1: Absolutely. That's a really great question. I will tell you that there are a number of things that I learned at West Point and in the Army and the military that enabled me to be successful in business. Um, one of them definitely is communication. You have to be clear and your intent has to be um, direct and understood. Um, you have to do things like actively listen to people so that you understand what they're, what they're asking, what they want. Uh, you can't be just in out, output mode. You've got to be able to put plans together um, in a very distinct way, and you've got to have great attention to detail. So just simple things that that one would would take for granted, but in the military you learn even things like a five-paragraph operations order, the ability to walk through a plan from start to finish and capture all of the different elements of it and provide the detail. That one of the biggest things that I learned I was working with a lot of elite units, is that um, I did a lot of study of military history, but there's a, there's a famous quote by a guy named Von Moltke that says, no plan survives the enemy. So as I was going through my career, I learned how to, how to develop contingencies for almost everything. And that really, really helped me out in, in my civilian career because I knew that, that nothing was ever going to go just right. So by planning for it and teaching my team to to also do the same, uh, we were able to react very quickly and adapt very quickly in different situations in business that others were not. And I found very quickly in business that your ability to be nimble and adaptable and flexible and then respond quickly with detailed action, those are all things that I learned in the service. And then just taking care of people. You know, you're responsible to take care of the people that you have Um, you know under your leadership that means their welfare that means what's going on in their life Um, you know I used to think that I uh, that I would have to be able to answer everything you know for the people that work for me I would be talking about their their families their problems their children you know what they wanted to do in their life you know what they were dreaming about just everything so on top of that you have to be responsible for their safety so that's one of the biggest things that I that I emphasize when I first walked into this business is to teach them that safety's first and that their responsibility is to their people and then to the business and making sure that it gets the goals accomplished.
2: You know, when you said that you were ended up talking to them about other things going on in their life, maybe that was your life coach background coming through and coming back to help you do that too.
1: I think you're probably right. You know, I, I find that um if you're able to show that you, you care and you genuinely care and you have an interest in what, what people are going through, but also if you've got a lot of experience to draw from, then you've, you've seen a lot of different situations. And especially if, if you've been in the military and you've had to to see the difficult things that you do when you're on missions, you know, you have a compassion for people to try to help them out and provide advice to them and then and lead them and guide them. So yes. And I love to do that. I, Being able to help people out with their health, both mentally and physically, is is a very important aspect of my life.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. So Hunter, as a veteran yourself, just talking Mm -hmm. to you and hearing all of the things that you have to say about why you like working at CPR and even really the vision you have for the company, it sounds like you're making it a very inviting place for veterans to come work. But are there any specific reasons that you would recommend um, CPR as a place for veterans to come work?
1: Absolutely. So, so yes, you are correct in what you just said. I I am uh, developing an atmosphere where it would be fantastic for a veteran to join. And part of the reason is because um, it would be a a familiar atmosphere for them to join. So there are certain aspects of this business that that lend themselves quite nicely to mirroring a lot of what um, the military service members go through. So they're used to going on deployments. They're used to doing all the preparation to go on deployments and do missions. They're used to taking care of their equipment, knowing full well that if their equipment is not taken care of or the weapon that they're using, then they will not be able to accomplish their mission and they'll put themselves and others at risk. Um, There are some similar aspects to this business around how you get your work done. There's also a technical aspect of it, not unlike an MOS specialty or something like that, um artillery communications engineering whatever it is in this particular case it's concrete polishing so when i pick out the main primary uh, objectives and or critical variables of the business somebody who's been through that kind of experience will be able to attach onto it very quickly you know our business goes out for two or three weeks at a time and goes from spot to spot you know location to location you go in there you have to assess assess the situation quickly not unlike you would have to do for you know going out on a mission Um, you have to have very good communication skills to be able to talk with the general contractors and the site supers the when you show up it's never exactly what you expected it to be Um, there could be water all over the floor and has to dry out before you can even start or there's a number of other things then you have to get into your trade and be able to start executing Your mission, if you will, in that case, in this case, to to polish the floor. But there are a certain number of steps you have to take, and there are obstacles in your way. So you have to overcome obstacles. You have a timeline that you have to to get things accomplished by. You have a quality standard that you want to achieve, and and you have to just drive right through that. And many times, stores will be open during the day, and we show up right as they close, and then we work, you know, later hours until midnight or so, and then. Get our sleep and then come right back in and do it again until the mission is accomplished. And then we have to get back in our vehicles and, and trailers and move on to the next site. We have to report all of our findings. So not unlike a, what I would call it, uh, referred to as a sitrep or other different methods that the military uh, personnel do when they're sending statuses back up. So you know, being on the radio and communicating a status on a particular mission. It's the same way as doing this. So being able to do it accurately, completely, and on time, all key variables. Because we have to communicate directly to our customers on a, a, several times during the day. And so getting that status update. So you're, you're tired, you've been working hard, but you've got to provide a status before you go to sleep. You send that up with pictures and with the report. That way in the morning, we're calling the customers, making sure everything is straight. And then getting things like timesheets and expense reports and all those things that are disciplined kind of things. Coming back in off of the mission, so to speak, making sure that your equipment is tagged for what maintenance has to be done. All your materials are replenished and your equipment's cleaned up. Not unlike coming back in off of a deployment, making sure that your weapon is clean and put away and the equipment put away. It's the same kind of thing.
2: Yep, and Hunter, I was going to ask you what some of the qualities are that you look for in a veteran that you hire, and some of the things that stood out to me based on what you were just talking about would be communication skills, adaptability, discipline, and mission focused. Are there some other characteristics that you look for? Because I know all you know all veterans are not created equal, just like all civilians are not created equal. Some people have certain characteristics and qualities that others don't. So what are some specific things that you look for in a veteran?
1: Well, I think you touched on a, a couple of very important ones. Um, certainly the discipline to be able to do those things that are, are important for the job without having to be asked. You know, I think another one would be initiative. Um, there are a lot of opportunities for improvement in this business. And as I've been talking to some of the candidates who we've started to bring on with us, I tell them, look, I've got the vision on how everything needs to be done. And I've done it before in past businesses, but I can't do it all myself. So when you come in, you have an opportunity to improve things right off the bat. SOPs, standard operating procedures, standardization methods, techniques to be able to do things more efficiently. Um, you know, I, I give, I've given the folks here the adage of, you know, I used to have to learn how to take my weapon apart, put it back together again, and get into my rucksack and, and anything in my purview blindfolded, so I knew exactly where it was. I tried to apply the same. Same um, method here. So the ability to uh, to have initiative, to be adaptive, um, to have the discipline to to do all those things that I mentioned before. I think to have the social skills, uh, to be able to help others. I mean, I want leaders. Folks are coming into this business that are going to start out learning the technical aspects of the business. But it's I guess the the civilian counterpart um, axiom that I could provide because I, I did it was to be a quality manager. If you're a quality manager in a manufacturing location, you are responsible for the quality, but you're not in charge. So I call it leading while not in charge. Very difficult thing. One of the most difficult things to do, especially in, in, uh, in civilian businesses. And so when you first, first come into the business, you're really, you know, you're really doing it while not in charge, but you're going to be in charge very quickly so it's an opportunity to develop things um techniques and methods and make those connections just unlike you know not unlike a uh, a specialist who's about to get to be promoted to a sergeant or a corporal or whatever service you want to talk talk about when you do that if you if you were with them now you're leading and they are your peer they were your peer before now many times in in units you move people out of that particular location so that they don't have to do that but it's, it's not unlike that, where um, the recruits that come in here and start off with our business will have an opportunity to learn the trade and be a crew member, but we're expecting them to be a crew leader within about four to six months. So very quick progression, uh, but also quick progression in pay as well. So what we're offering here is a great opportunity to, to accelerate. So I need people that have drive. Um, they have to want to lead. They have to want to make a difference, and they have to want to be a part of a team. Those are some of the things that I can throw out there initially.
2: You know, one of the things that you mentioned that I think would be very appealing to a transitioning service member is that a lot of them do want to know what's the next step. You know, that's kind of ingrained in you in the military is that you've got this um, promotion path. You know what you have to do in order to get to the next step. It sounds like with CPR, um, what you just outlined, and I think we'll get into in a little bit more detail next, is that there really is that growth, and you know about it as soon as you start. You know what you have to do to get to the next level. You know that if you're a top performer, you can progress, and so I think knowing that would be very appealing to um, a military service member.
1: I agree, and I've made that very clear right up front, so I mean, it could not be any clearer that this is a great opportunity to come in, start out at the ground level, learn the techniques and learn all the equipment and essentially um, just as one would be able to look at a map and look out if I'm up I used to be up in helicopters a lot calling close air support and things like that you have to look out over the battlefield and understand what's in front of you if you can do that here where you can actually read a floor and understand what has to be done to it to get it to its stated you know in state then those are great skills um, the point is is that I'm enabling a person to come in and do that and then be able to be promoted to a crew leader in very short order, which means they're responsible for the entire rig and the people that they're with. And this is very important because it's not like a corporate atmosphere where you're walking down into somebody's office and seeing how they're doing, or you're going out on a sales call with them and watching the front of the customer. We're having these, these crews go out to different locations, and they're there by themselves with other trades with the general contractor but I can't be in a hundred locations at the same time. So we need we need responsible leaders to be able to do what they're supposed to do when nobody's looking. And that's an important part. And if, if someone can go out and do that and, and knock it out of the park and you have general contractors saying, wow, what a great job. We've got 10 more behind there for you. And you're getting floor of the month and crew of the month, which we haven't really, I've built a nice incentive system into the business. I believe a lot in positive reinforcement. So if somebody comes in and starts knocking out of the park, what my end goal here is, it's not just for somebody to come in and be a crew member. It's not for them to come in and be a crew leader. What we're doing here with Orion is bringing in people who can be a district manager within about a year to 18 months. And when you look at the progression in pay from when you first walk in the door to a district manager in a year and a half, you're more than doubling your salary. So I'm offering the opportunity for somebody to come in, learn it immediately almost four to six months later to get, you know, a a 30 or 40% increase in their pay and then double it, you know, a year and a half later. So if you've got the capability Mm -hmm. and you're hungry, then sky's the limit because I'm looking for district managers right now because it, it satisfies my strategy for the business, which is to expand it across the U.S. and open up offices in major cities all over the U.S. If I'm a really go-getter kind of person, I come in, I'm, I, I make the progression up to district manager, and I'm running one of those cities. Then there's there's even future expansion onto that to be a district manager where you're covering multiple cities and multiple sets of crews. So I'm not putting any cap on where somebody can go in this business. So just come in and take off and do it to it, and, and you'll be rewarded very quickly. In some of my past businesses, you have to... You have to be in the the good old girls club or the good old boys club in order to be able to advance and you have a lot of politics involved and you have to get all your little boy scout badges and girl scout badges and all that stuff before you can go forward here what i'm saying is look you prove the proficiency you prove the responsibility um then you're going to get promoted
2: mm-hmm. um and you know hunter your are on for your patches from our conversation that taking with to you today it sounds like You also at one time had a moment where you thought, um, back in your packaging career, wow, I'm taking a demotion. I just did all of this in the military. I would think I would have started out a lot higher up than I did. So you know, you're a testament to if you get in and you learn the um, ground operations and understand how things work, then that's really the way to progress a lot more quickly. And you know, that type of progression really helps you out later on down the road because you do know all of the intricacies of the business and you've been there and you've worked your way up. So I think that you just hearing your story earlier shows that you are a testament to that is the way that um, it can work and it can be make you very successful.
1: Totally agree. I mean, when I think of the responsibility that I had when I exited the service and then what I started out doing, not only from just a responsibility level, when I first walked into that first plant and and listened for about two weeks, I thought to myself, I can run this place right now. But then I thought to myself, I don't know all the intricacies of the business. Um, And certainly I just said to myself, I'm gonna learn those intricacies as fast as I possibly can. So within two and a half years I learned them and then I immediately took over. So yes, I would agree. Mm-hmm.
0: And with yeah, that, so you know, with that,
1: I mean, I, I tripled my pay in two and a half years. So it was it was one of those situations where it was very very advantageous.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now you've touched a couple of times on two positions in particular that Orion's been helping CPR recruit for, and that would be the crew leader and crew members. So I wanted to have you briefly discuss. Um, both of those positions. I know you, you've kind of talked a little bit about the career progression, but um, I wanted you to talk about what makes a b- good candidate for both of those positions, and then a little bit about what the job entails.
1: Okay. I'll give you a little bit of, uh, of my thought process on this and how you and, and all the staff at Iran are helping us. Mm-hmm. Essentially, like I told you, my end game is district managers. So, but you have to start out as a crew member. So everybody that comes in here, whether they are quote a crew leader candidate or a crew member candidate, they're gonna come in as crew members to start off with. The difference is the crew leaders have an opportunity to make more money as as soon as they arrive. And the crew members have to work themselves up to getting that to that level. You know, what makes a good crew member? Um, A good crew member is one who can learn all the technical aspects and get things done as efficiently as possible, provide initiative and new ideas to be able to do things better, and work together as a team to get, to get the job done as best as you can, as efficiently as you can. Um, a crew leader is one who does all that, but also has full responsibility over the safety, quality, productivity, and interface with the customer um, and the welfare of other people. So not only do you have the additional responsibility of the welfare of the people, but of the equipment. You know, one of our rigs, you know, going down the road is two hundred thousand dollars plus. So that's you know a good deal of responsibility with the weight and all that's that's in there, and the fact that you've got to be able to accomplish these missions independently. So when I when when candidates come in, it's a mutual discussion between Orion and myself and my HR manager as to who is a crew leader candidate versus a crew member candidate. Typically, the crew leader candidates will have more time in service. So part of what we mutually discussed from my background was in the Army, I would I would consider a, a crew member candidate to be somebody who is a, a specialist or somebody who just made sergeant, uh, has leadership capability and understands how to lead at the small unit level um but has also understood and gone through technical uh classes of instruction and has on the job experience and has the ability to advance um with some with some leadership and with some experience uh to the next level. But they're hungry that but they maybe had decided that they only wanted to do one enlistment or they got deployed a number of times and they wanted to get out and do other things. But they have that capability. A crew leader uh, candidate is what I would liken to somebody like a staff sergeant or a sergeant first class in, in the in the Army that has had small unit leadership, has then been promoted and gone through that criteria getting to that promotion, which is a big deal, um, has then, then had the experience of having staffs work for them and other small unit leaders work for them, as well as doing that interface and planning and coordination with staffs. And actually reporting to, uh, reporting briefs and presentations to higher, higher ranking individuals. So whether it be a, a first sergeant or whether it be a captain or a major or, or whomever, they've had all those experiences. So what that tells me is they can quickly come in and accelerate to crew leader very quickly. Um, not that a crew member couldn't do the same thing, but that's the differentiation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good, and it'll help our listeners um, kind of understand maybe what position that they would be a good fit for, so I appreciate you talking through that in a little bit more detail. Now, Hunter, what advice do you have for transitioning service members as they begin their job search? Because I know you've been through it. You've seen a lot of other candidates go through it, especially, you know, as you've been working with Orion and being exposed to a lot more military candidates. So what would you say is your top advice for those candidates, whether it's to help them prepare for a career or just anything that maybe you as you had known when you were transitioning?
1: Sure. I'll well, answer a couple of different ways. Um, one, a couple of important points I think are that um, when, you, when you do your search, make sure you do your search in areas that are going to fulfill you in what you want to accomplish for your career. So if you've if you've put some years into the service and you've, and you've had that as a career, you may even be retired after 20 years and be looking at another career. Um, my suggestion is you look at this as something you can sink your teeth into and go after, not just as a tip your toe into. Um, I've seen I've seen a lot of candidates now who kind of look at this and look at that, and and they one of the things that was disappointing to me is that you know, people committed to come to the interviews and then they just all jumped out right before the interview happened. A, more, a majority of them did. Uh, it depends on the region, but you know, make a commitment. If you want to go do something like this, make a commitment to do it and follow it through. You know, be a, be a person of your word and do that. That's number one. Number two, if you want to come into a challenging atmosphere, but one where you're going to be led and one where you're going to have an opportunity for a lot of positive reinforcement and a lot of growth. Not only professionally, but monetarily for your family. This is a great atmosphere. It does come with some, some difficulties in the fact that, that you are deployed out on the road for, for two to three weeks at a time. But the great advantage of it is, is that we provide you rest time where you're not being bothered. So what I'll say on that is, is I've been in business in a lot of different businesses and I've had to come in on Saturday mornings and Saturday afternoons and maybe got a day and a half off on a week if I was lucky. And especially after I got into more senior roles, I really didn't have any time off unless I took a vacation and usually it was only a couple of days in in the vacation where I actually started to relax. In this particular case, when you're, when you're quote at rest, when you come back in and clean your equipment up and turn it in, you can do anything you want to for, you know, seven days a year off. If you wanted to fly to Puerto Rico and back, you could do it. And nobody's calling you up to ask you status on anything. So, that's a—it's a nuance to the business that somebody has to be aware of when they first come into it. But I think it's—I think it's a real positive in the fact that you get to focus on work while you're doing it, and when you're off, you're off. And then as you mm-hmm. start to have the opportunity to get promoted and become a district manager, now that's one where you actually get to—you get to feather things a little bit, where you—you you have a more predictable schedule. You're actually working and leading teams, and you're really more in manager at that point. It's a little bit different. So when you first start out, my advice is know what you're, know what you're getting into. Because the last thing we want is to go through this entire process and have you get here and go, you know, I really didn't see myself, you know, grinding floors and getting dirty and, and all that, and cleaning all this equipment up. I just thought I was going to sit in the office. Well, you know, wake up. That's not what we're doing here when we first walk in the door. So understand what you're going to do. Have a commitment for it and, and work to carry it through.
2: Yeah, I think that's great advice. Okay, Hunter, anything else that you want to add, whether it's anything that you've learned from your own experience or just a final pitch for why veterans should come work at CPR?
1: Well, I got two pitches. One is I think Orion is, is the leader in what you do. So if a candidate's working with you, they're working with the right business to get placed. That's number one. Number two, um, this is a great place to work. It's a It's a place to come where... We work together as a team, we look out for each other, we care for each other, you know, we pray for each other and uh and, and I you know, I have high standards and high expectations for the business. So if you if you like that kind of atmosphere where it's challenging and it's tough, but you're gonna be rewarded and you're gonna feel good about it at the end of the day and you have an opportunity to essentially have the sky as the limit, then this is the this is a place to come work. If you wanna be a part of a dynamic atmosphere that's expanding this is the place to work and we we welcome you know great candidates to come interview with us and come work with us because we are in a acceleration mode and we need we need all the talent we can get
2: awesome well hunter i really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today and i know on the orion side we're really looking forward to the continuation of our partnership and providing cpr with top tier military talent so thank you so much
1: Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.